0: Around 7.15, Joseph Carroll Wise, the cottage's off-season caretaker, turned into the driveway. He had his sister in tow and wanted her to meet his famous client. They found Colby watering his willow trees down near the water. The trio chatted briefly, and then Wise and his sister drove away. It was the last time they would see Bill Colby alive. On Sunday afternoon, Colby's next-door neighbor, Alice Stokes, noticed that the Fiat was still parked in the driveway. She checked the jetty they shared. The aluminum ladder Colby used to climb down into his canoe was in the water. A frayed rope hung from the iron rung he used to moor his canoe, but there was no sign of the craft. Meanwhile, Kevin Akers, a twenty-nine-year-old unemployed carpenter and handyman, had taken his wife and two kids out on the sound in his small motorboat. At the point where Neil Sound turned into the Wocomico River Akers spotted a beached green canoe. There was nothing unusual about that. Akers, who had spent all his life around the Chesapeake, had, in the past, picked up small craft that had broken loose from their moorings and towed them to the marina. Akers later recalled that this canoe was nearly filled with sand. It had taken him and his wife the better part of an hour to empty it. He had been out on the water the day before and had not spotted the canoe. There was no way, he mused, that two cycles of the tide could put that much sand in a canoe. Around seven o'clock Sunday evening, Alice Stokes called 911 to report a missing person. The local police arrived at half-past eight. Both doors to the cottage were unlocked. Colby's computer and radio were on. Unwashed dishes and the remnants of a half-eaten meal lay in the sink. A partially filled glass of white wine sat on the counter. The bottle, with very little missing, was on the table in the sunroom. Also on the table were Colby's wallet, containing $296, and his keys. The canoe and its paddle and life jacket were missing from the nearby shed. Policewoman Sharon Walsh alerted the Coast Guard, and the search was on. Over the next few days, a dozen Navy divers, two helicopters, and more than 200 volunteers scoured the area they found nothing. On the morning of May 6th, nine days after Colby was last seen, his body was spotted on the shoreline of Neal Sound, approximately forty meters from where Kevin Akers had discovered the green canoe. The police announced that there were no signs of foul play. Most likely the old man had suffered a heart attack and fallen into the water. The state medical examiner's office issued a preliminary verdict of accidental death. When Akers learned who had owned the green canoe, alarm bells began going off in his head. There was the unexplained overabundance of sand in the canoe. More significant, the boat and the body were separated by a spit of land. Given the prevailing currents, there was no way the canoe could have wound up on one side of the spit and Colby on the other. The former spook had been murdered, he concluded. Akers gathered his family and went into hiding. The Neil Sound handyman was not the only doubter. Zalin Grant was in Paris when he heard the news of Colby's death. The former director of Central Intelligence, DCI, had gone paddling in his canoe at night, fallen out, and drowned. Not a chance. Grant, a Vietnam veteran, war correspondent, and author, had known Colby in Vietnam, Colby had subsequently helped the journalist write his book on counterinsurgency and the CIA. Grant admired him, agreeing with U.S. counterinsurgency expert Edward Lansdale's observation that Colby was the most effective American, soldier or civilian, to serve in the Vietnam War. The man was fit, seasoned and prudent, not some doddering septuagenarian. And he had enemies, some of them quite dangerous. Finally, Colby's death reminded Grant of the demise of another CIA official some twenty years earlier, under eerily similar circumstances. On the moonlit night of September 23, 1978, John Arthur Paisley had vanished in the waters of the Chesapeake Bay. Paisley was last seen alive that morning, crossing a narrow section of the bay aboard his sloop Brillig. A week later, on October 1st, A bloated and badly decomposed body was found floating in the water.